All right, let's see if I still remember how to do this show. Today on The Terrible Warriors, we return to weekly updates. Oh, thank you so much for your patience. We wrap up our Meet the Maker series, our final interview in this series where we've been chatting with developers of the games we enjoy and the leaders in our community who help make the games that we enjoy so enjoyable to play. Today, our subject of interview is Mr. Grant Howitt. Grant Howitt is one of the co-owners of Rowan, Rook, and Deckard. And along with the game we're talking about, The Spire, he also had a part to play in the rebooted Paranoia game that we played previously on the show. He's also creator of games like Goblin Quest, Unbound, One Last Job, and Honey Heist. I keep hearing about Honey Heist. I keep being told I gotta play Honey Heist. We didn't talk about Honey Heist. We did talk about The Spire, the next game we're going to be playing on the show. And Grant was happy enough to give us some time of his day to talk about what makes The Spire spire. Some of the ways the community has responded to it. At least one major regret he put into the game. And at the very beginning of our conversation, I just wanted to start off by asking, how did The Spire begin? So there's a little there's a little known company, this little British company you might have heard of called Games Workshop. It's it's just uh, a little yeah, it's a little one of those yeah, very niche sure it's, uh, scrappy indie and they produce uh, Warhammer forty thousand. So I've I've played um or I certainly built models from Warhammer and Warhammer forty K uh since the age of about eleven. So that's uh, twenty two years now, which is sobering to think. That that was that was very much my first steps into sort of creative geekery, let's say. And I, when, when I was at university, 11 years ago now, I, I ran a Dark Heresy campaign. And I really liked the tone of Dark Heresy, which is you play agents of the Inquisition, and you're tasked with defending the galaxy from heretics and witches and mutants, and you're given no resources to do it, and very little authority. So there's very, like, everyone's a bit shit at what they do. So everyone's a bit bad at their jobs. But the rules didn't quite do it for me. They didn't quite sing. And I knocked around the idea for ages and ages and ages of, of, of basically rewriting a a sort of a cinematic spy game. Because Dark Heresy is at the root of it, a spy game. It's, it's quite close to the born identity, except, you know, space wizards. And I went back and forth. And the thing I ended up eventually was a, it's like, it was a high elf city and you play dark elves who were this sort of special sect of untouchables who perform missions for the high elves. And that kind of just got ricocheted around for about three years. And I worked on other games. I released other things. I put out Goblin Quest, uh, which was kind of my first, that was my first published book. And we were like, we'd finished, uh, we'd finished Unbound, which was the, it's a, 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 a rules-like, universal, cinematic, generic, uh, make-up-the-stories-as-you-go-along as, as game. Uh, which, by the way, are very hard to market. It's hugely hard to market generic games. I cannot recommend it. But we were looking for ideas and what to do, and I had this idea for, for, like, for what amounts to a spy game, a fantasy spy game in this massive city. And we started developing it. And then we went through, I think, about 17 different versions of it. Uh, 17 different different editions. The official uh, edition name for the final draft was Fuck Thousand and One. <laughs> something that something that Chris wrote in. Um, I should also know uh, Chris Taylor is my is my co-author on all mm-hmm. this. Uh, he he is not doing super well today, so uh, it's, it's just me. But he is he is he is, he is equally responsible uh, for Spire. But I'm kind of the public face of the organisation. 
But uh, we teamed up and we started working on Spire. I got Chris in to to build it with me, and it was his idea to shift it from espionage into something more revolutionary, which was a much more evocative thing to have, a much more exciting uh, driving force. And it also gave you the hope of some change, I think. And so we kept the espionage in the elements of the ministry. So it's, you're part of the secret organization and you're, there's some elements of field craft, there's elements of, of, of hiding your identity and operating in the shadows. But also there's, quite, there's a lot of bombast, there's a lot of uh, rabble rousing, and there's a lot, it gives you a much more, a, a much easier way to tell stories by having you as knife edge revolutionaries. And that's where we ended up. We started we started writing the world. That really got out of hand. And everyone really likes it, which is lovely. Like I think we've created a world which people are excited to be part of and tell their own stories in, which I think is really valuable. It has been really interesting reading the world because the game does take place entirely in Spire, the, the city mm-hmm. tower of Spire. But it also has this huge world operating mm. around it. All of these politics and moving pieces that continue to evolve as your story and Spire may continue to evolve. And uh, and even your own character may have been enlisted and sent off to the front lines. And, and, mm. and it, it, you're not, it's not a game like Paranoia where you're trapped in Alpha Complex and anything outside of that city just simply doesn't exist in the game mm. world. Um, but that said, there are a lot of echoes of things like Spire and Discworld. And it's, it's a game that the elevator pitch well, the game, the, the elevator pitch sounds quite serious and serious. Like, like, oh, yeah, right? yeah, for right? sure. Like you tell the story of you have joined this paramilitary secret society cult to overthrow your oppressors. And it's a game of revolution and and fighting back and and, and you know, breaking down systems of oppression. And and then you start reading the details near the back end of the book and, 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 and the factions. And you hear about George, the character who's signed up to every <laughs> single religion in Pilgrims. Like it's... It's got these little elements of, I want to say in a like as a as a like absurdity, but like an abs- like that dark comedy. Yes, certainly. There are these places that you can mentally escape to, I guess, to relax mm. and give yourself some distance after you've had some real heavy gameplay. Absolutely. Was that difficult to find the balance between creating a game that was about revolution, but also? Mm throwing in these elements of comedy without also then throwing out the <laughs> whole point of the revolution game in the first place, right? There is, so there's a real balance to be struck there. And I think that, so I am at heart a comedy writer. My uh, my dissertation for my, my creative writing degree was I did several comedy pieces, which went down really not very well <laughs> with the with the academics uh, circles. They weren't really into that. They wanted some serious things about feelings. And I wrote a choose your own adventure game about not having sex. And I am a so I am a comedy writer at heart. Chris and I uh, we we have a comedy podcast as well, although it's more sort of game design comedy as a sideline. But I think there's something irrepressible there. I don't think that I could write something which wasn't funny. I sorry, I could try super hard, but everything I do there is an element of absurdity. There's an element of strangeness because when you're when you're sitting around a table. You're not. It's not like reading a book or watching a film. You have to have. You have to have something which is absurd. You have to have something wild to latch onto. As you were saying, to take a break from the uh, from the revolutionary elements. And I think that Spire is pitched as this real serious game. 
It's like this is going to kill you. You've like everything. Um, everyone's going to turn you gonna, in. Yeah, they're, 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 everyone's going to betray you. Everything's out to kill yeah. you. You're going to die doing this. And the rules support that as well. Like the like there there are there are we have equal mechanics for hit points as we do for being found by the secret police as we do for getting in debt to someone because you couldn't afford your rent this month. So there's so like mechanically it's quite grim, but in play everyone just goes nuts with it. There's it it gives this it gives this tremendous freedom to the player characters because a lot of the abilities kind of just take narrative control away from the GM for a little bit. Like, no, I want to be in this scene. I snuck in. Or I know there's a party nearby here and I'm invited. And you just get... Because we give the players this sort of freewheeling control, it means the GM doesn't have to um, plan as much in advance. They just have to, they have to think very, very loosely and we have these scene framing elements. And you end up with something that, that does skew towards the absurd, but it means that you can you can drop right back down to having it also acts a lot as a mirror to your players if if they don't mm. want to play an absurd game i don't mm. think the game would reflect that and no. uh, i i've had an opportunity to play test this uh game with with our patreon listeners uh, our supporters mm. uh in advance of us playing it on the podcast and our second game a four-hour session uh was in a fallout, like dealing with actually the fallout uh, mechanically of the of our first game, where he had mm. uh, one of our players lost memory, and and mm. and so between the oh, sessions we we talked about what they had done, and mm. uh, we decided that they had actually yeah they had signed an oath and they had joined up with the vigilites and they had gone mm. off and done a bunch of murders and uh, <laughs> and and, and, and they wake up the next morning and it's kind of like hangover but you were John Wick during that hangover, and and now. Everyone's talking about you like you're this Baba Yaga legend, and you mm. have no idea what you have just like you, what you've done. And mm. so they spent the whole second game uh, it, hiding out in the works, making new contacts, working around, uh, actually developing a supply network of Spire Black to mm. uh, a Hellenite church. Uh, uh, gun runners uh, and 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 forming a connection with one gutterkin, where they slowly started bringing out like a little bit of food in exchange for spire black, and then and then Ooh. they would leave a little bit of food in exchange for spire black, and then they would stop leaving the food until the spire black was there, and then they would leave the food, and and they were kind of <laughs> training this guy very yeah. slowly, and 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 by the time it was all done, they had developed this system, these like dead drops. For spire black and food back and forth, um, and there were dice rolls, and there was yeah. this 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 drama that went around it. But telling back the play on paper of what we did, um, it sounds so different from uh, like the tabletop games I I run uh, at a at a local restaurant here in Toronto. We mm. do a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. That. Game, oh, if, yeah. if Dungeons and Dragons, if we were playing that about developing a supply network in an alleyway with a goblin, um, <laughs> what would you roll for that? Right? What would, guess, how would that I play? Guess a diplomacy role, right? Yeah. Whereas finding this system with the, the different breakdowns of hit points and mm. every dice kind of handled the same way. And this was something I didn't come up with this plan for my players. I thought he was going to mm. follow along his lost memories. They wanted yeah. to build new bridges and move forward and, and set I up the new plan. A goblin and to bring and, us explosive soot. And so, of course, <laughs> I, I I gave them like the the advancement at the end because like you've changed the city. You have now created yeah. an underground supply network of 
ammunition uh, mm-hmm. to any point that the ministry needs throughout the, the city. This is that's wild. And uh, they uh, they tried to get some non-player characters involved too, so they could leave that district and have <laughs> someone else kind of take over the operation for them. And mm-hmm. uh, and and the mother ended up getting. Uh, arrested and sent off to endurance and then the little scrappy nine-year-old takes over the operation and now they've got this like small little street urchin network like a Mm. street level bond of street urchins and gutterkin working together to scrap it's it it's heartwarming story well yeah i could never (laughs) have written that and i could never have anticipated that's where it was going to go and yet Mm. as the players kept dropping down the breadcrumbs. We just kept picking them up. And uh, it was, it's, it's a, uh, I really like the system. This is the, the, the too long didn't read. I just Chris, really like how it plays out. Chris is my first GM uh, back in, back in university. I was a, I was, I only ever GM'd when I was in high school. My friends were far too cool for role playing games. And I respect them for that. And I managed to sort of strong arm them into role playing a little bit, but I got to uni. Chris was my first GM. He ran, he ran a Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 for us back in the day. And he had this, he had what seemed like quite quite a complex comp- uh, campaign with lots of moving parts. And we were having the fights with specters in the back of moving carriages and building this, building this magic sword, which was, which, which was able to destroy a, a kingdom. We're going through all this stuff. And I was sitting next to him. It'd be about halfway through the, halfway through the first year of play, I was sitting next to him. Uh, and I saw his notes, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to look at the GM's notes. I'm going to see what's happening. Yeah. And he'd written, lawyer elves, question mark, <laughs> blam, his adventure. <laughs> and that was his plotting for the week. That's exactly and- how my first game, it was my friend's older brother ran it for us. And we went mm. this epic journey of escaping from captivity into these caves and coming across cursed gods and a sword of ancient legend and going out and taking over like city archons coming down from the heavens. And 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 he literally just had, I think, written down going lost in cave, question mark, <laughs> and then just ad libbed everything yeah. later. And we we wrote a system where that is encouraged. All the systems we write are designed to primarily be played by us i think uh the one the one um exclusion from that rule is an exception is a warrior poet which is a competitive haiku game which i absolutely will not play now i'm done with that i think a part of my life is over it's interesting that survives even inspire as that is oh that, yeah the that, warrior poets yes that, that's yeah. the highest ranking that an elfer commander can achieve or something like yes. that like that yeah, those are the, the generals uh, of their army or the warrior poets yeah and and like and 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 also because because like in uh, it's pitched and it's honestly I think it's kind of exoticism. I might want to just ha- have a think over it because it's pitched as sort of like these magic Asian and sort of half Japanese, half Chinese mushed together. What if you were these wizard poets who could destroy cities? And then we took it into Spire, and I think the thing with the, like the kind of the, the trick we have in Spire is you think about fantasy trope and then you think about it for about thirty seconds more. And invert some of it. And so warrior poets are these amazing, like, uh, are these amazing, powerful warriors. And they're also brilliant poets. But it also suggests, like, oh, we've got um, accountant sculptors and dance lawyers. And the idea that Elphia, Elphia uh, civilization marries, the, like, it views both of them as equal. Up- Torture operas. Torture operas, yes. It views yeah. both of them as, uh, <laughs> as, as, as equivalent art forms. And so we got to play with that. And and with all those details you put in, you also never describe 
a torture opera. Not really. Yeah. You just name it every now and then, and it's a and it plays yeah. off like a comedic beat. But then yeah. it sits to the back of my head, going, "What the hell is this?" Right? And 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 you you <laughs> I, I I I love a book like this where the, the first third is rules, and the second two thirds of the book are just describing the the world and the lore and the characters and the people that inhabit that and yet also not really defining anything we were really careful to not have to make it a uh what's the word we like we don't have a timeline we don't really reference events that happened in the past very much that um we you might have noticed we don't have numerical year numbers you've also got a big loophole of the fact that time itself might not even listen to the rules of the world in oh yeah if you if you go down deep enough yeah time doesn't really that doesn't matter i mean our, our first game we haven't recorded it yet uh they are both playing vermissian sages oh cool and so i think our introduction is going to play off like the two doctors and mm. it's it, it that sage does sound a little bit like doctor who with mm. a lot of running a lot of uh geometry not playing to the rules you expect them to uh mm. A lot of knowledge is power. A lot of coats. Yeah, a lot of big flowing (laughs) hero coats. Uh, Mm -hmm. A lot of just kick the door and jump. And uh, but but this idea of you've got these little bits of like things like the Vermissian way and and things like the Mm. heart of Spire that give you you can retcon, you can change the timeline, Car- you can... Car Blanche to be as weird as you like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but it also becomes a la carte for your players, mm. where they get to choose, if I want to do a noir crime kind of real investigative or or, or down in the ground in the gutters of, of, of the city, mm. or if I want to do something much more magical or horror or uh, absurd... All of those little places are there to visit, mm. even though it's at its core, it's, a, it's this game of revolution. It also feels like it touches on a bunch of genres. And mm. and that was well, where I... just put in all the things we liked, really. Well, and I could see there was like a <laughs> lot of admiration for, for authors like Terry Pratchett. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of feelings. Usually, yeah. There's a lot of Discworld kind of around there. It feels like if Ank Morpork was Alpha Complex and Paranoia. Someone, someone on the Discord described, um, which I'm, I'm very flattered by. They said, like, game, um, Games Workshop is the Tolkien, Aspire is the Pratchett. Yeah, I completely agree. And in terms, like, we've, like, we've, we've, we've taken the ideas and we've, and we've twisted them and developed on them. And like, I, 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 I Terry Pratchett is undoubtedly my favorite author. I think he, he was an astonishing force um, in just he's such. He wrote so wisely, and it was comedy, and it was fantasy. And to have that that level of mastery, and to not like he very rarely he was he, he wasn't especially verbose. You didn't show his working; it was smooth and fluid and wonderful. And he's a, a tremendous loss to the community. Well, there's a bit of him, I think, that lives on through through a game like this and through the stories mm. here that are told in Spire. And oh, it was interesting what you said earlier about comedy not being taken seriously. And I know it's a little mm. bit of a sidestep away from the game itself. I was watching Sorry. Taika Waititi and Jojo mm. and, and with the Oscars, he, 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 was, he had an interview, uh, I think it was with like Vanity Fair or something like that, about comedy and seriousness and saying like, comedy might be the most serious narrative form out there. Everything it makes fun of, it is serious about. It's just the delivery that isn't done seriously but mm. a comedian and, and and a writer like a like Taika and like Terry Pratchett were very serious about the things that they wrote, uh, yeah. and 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 the the 
topics they put onto a, a book like Monsters Regiment is very funny, but also mm. very serious with the story it's trying to tell. And I and I think you can say something similar about Spire. It's 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 one of those. There's an elevator pitch, and then there's the the second, but also it's got these elements of comedy but i find mm. with the players i've been making characters with i start i i play the straight man and i set up mm. the game and then as they're making the characters and they read through and i think the first beat is when you're picking your durance you're mm. reading through all the different durances you're reading about this horrible situation of four years of indentured servitude and then one of the durances is the pet mm. and i think that's the first comedic punchline what's the thing it's it's interesting because like we went back and forth about leaving that in every single player i have created characters with that's the one mm. that gets the first pop and then they all want that mm. and, and then we start looking at other things but i think that's the first time where the shoe drops and they realize this is uh also a game where there is going to be laughs and uncomfortable laughs and yeah i think that's i think that's what we're trying to go for um in, t in terms of uncomfortable laughs because like the idea of these people are the elfia are so foreign and so they have so many access to so many more resources and such such privilege that they can view elf they can view drow as pets and not like in a not in like a twisted cruel sex way but just like oh no i have a pet this, i have a beautiful drow who sits around my house and i put i put a necklace on them and that's very good the same way we don't a cat and there's something sort of like like imagine like I, I spent four years sitting on a cushion in someone's house. There's something innately funny about that, but also really dehumanizing and weird. Yeah, and and our character, our pet in our in our game is our firebrand now, mm. and yeah. I feel like his time as a pet has, I think, in a very unspoken way, there's some trauma there, and there's mm. some there's some background, there's some issues that aren't being dealt with in a healthy way and are instead being projected now as this firebrand. Um, mm. And I find I've discovered in the in the few games I've run, and I wonder if you've seen the same thing, there's a cycle of comedy to drama, and then it feeds back into comedy, and then it feeds back into drama. And so the pet was the joke, but then it wasn't. And it became serious mm. again as we started examining it. And then that led into this bond where the firebrand is, there's a sympathetic, his master, who was the pet owner here, was himself a young elfer who, this was his first drow. This was his first durance mm. drow that was given to him as a gift by his family. Look after him, don't forget to water and feed him and take him for walks every day, right? <laughs> yeah. And, but then four years, that started as, you know, a pet. But by the end of those four years, there was a, there was a bond and there was this, mm. There was this a dog and his boy kind of a relationship, mm. but also you're not a dog, you're a person. And uh, and he was sending him on fake little like missions as if he had been a spy, but he wasn't, he was mm. a pet. And that's how he met up with, he got caught and that's how he met with the ministry and found their way in. Oh crap, we've got a way in through this. And the one character he wrote that's sympathetic to the firebrand is actually this young elfer. And so it plays mm. off as a as a comedy, but then back into seriousness. And and every time I spend a little bit of time examining another element that comes up in our story, I guess where I'm coming at is having spent so many years now with this game and 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 I've noticed you're you're in that Discord channel almost every day and you're mm -hmm. 
you're very much engaged with these conversations and with these other players and the questions that they're asking. Where Spire started and where it moved to, was there any patterns you saw with the playing community or surprises or places that Spire went that you didn't anticipate or or were there parts that got amplified that you may have been you were looking to the left and everyone else started looking over here instead one word goats <laughs> uh-huh uh, this yeah. one chapter at the back of the book one page one page so a little um, throwaway uh, in the appendix a friend of mine um so, so so we had um one of the one of the kickstarter rewards on the first book of spire was you would get yourself written up as a god and you had the capacity to like they were mainly human gods because most of my backers were human, and they had the you know you got a a, a set of advances for what you would um, for what sort of uh, miracles you'd grant your followers, and it's like it's, it's a huge ego boost to anyone <laughs> just just stroking ego. But we charged the money for it. But it, it meant that we earned some more cash. We got some lovely art from it and some really cool powers. One of my friends said, "Oh, I would love to be the god of goats, but I don't have the cash to do it." And so, like, I was just just sort of passing the time. I was oh, blah, 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 and like knocked out some rules to send over to them, and then realised that actually goats are quite funny, and I re- I really like goats, and I really like the way uh, I really like how clever they are, and how cheeky, and how resourceful, and how and I love the shape of their pupils. Um, and so I was like, tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna write up a theoretical. I'm I'm gonna write up a, a goats of spire thing because I I think I want there to be a shit ton of goats here. And then I showed it to Chris, and he's like, "It's very funny. Don't put it in the book." Now, come on, come on, come on. How about how about we just put it in the works section? So we put it in the works, and then you're sort of like, uh, "No, oh, what about the garden desk? No, you can have it as an appendix." And we're putting rumored before Goats of Spire, <laughs> big um, asterisks right next to it. Yeah. Now, I I I'm quite happy with it, and I think that it did a great deal uh, to promote our game because. It was quite shareable. It was quite. It was easily easy, easy to talk about and say, "Oh, by the way, it has these cool goats," and you could send that over, and that was immediately sort of interesting. Like, oh, what, 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 where are all these weird goats coming from? You know. But unfortunately, they rather detracted from the central theme of revolution and loss, uh, despite the fact there were no rules for goats. And so um, we we made a, we made a decision as a as a, as, a, as a group to completely excise goats from anything we write now. So Chris was right. Chris was right. Yeah. I think. I think. I, like Chris is broadly right, and it is rare I fight for something this much. I trust him implicitly. Like we we have a great deal of um, of respect and love for one another, and we know that each other that we we, we have each other's best interests at heart. So it's, uh, it's the the best and uh, the best writing partnership I've ever had. It's great, but I fought for it because I thought this is cool and funny, and I want it to be in the game. And yeah, he was right. I mean, there's other stuff. There's other stuff he cut out, which is uh, which I'm really glad didn't make it through in retrospect. No, <laughs> but yeah, the goats, the the community, the community got onto the goats. We maybe fed into that a little bit as well. Um, and what's the other one? Uh, there's someone wrote a player. Someone wrote a class three gutterkin in a trench coat, um, <laughs> which which rather goes against the uh, the grain of of, of insidious revolution in the yes. fantasy city. Yeah. Yes, it does. It all of a sudden now now it's turning into a Roger Rabbit story um, mm. uh, instead. Someone who's um, approaching Spire for the very first time, if they are, they're probably going to end up be the one running it. Um, what would be your what's your words of advice for them as this person who has you know been involved in its creation, but also its playtesting and its development over so many years? 
what would you point them towards or advise them or any any pitfalls that you've learned over the time uh, for yeah. for that prospective GM uh, who's about to enter Spire for the first time? Two main things. One, don't worry about canon. Uh, we get, like I'm going to say about maybe once a month, someone rocks up on the Spire Discord and they'll ask a question about canon and I haven't a fucking clue. They'll, they'll be like, how tall, how actually tall is Spire? It's like, I don't know. It's very big. Someone asked the other day about transportation. Yeah, I don't know. Lifts, ladders, stairs, birds, birds. Yeah, we, we've got flocks of birds, and like, and like, we started introducing like, uh, like uh, the guild of laddermen, who are who are responsible for getting up and down spire, and like, they'll often break lifts because they oh view them goodness, as the, the devil. The, the the secret society of the stairwells. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing, and like, and because I think one of the things I find really funny is the idea of bureaucracy and the idea of secret societies and ma- mashing those together. Because secret societies seem really cool and also eyes wide shut, but generally they're just some blokes above a pub shaking hands, funny. But they're all nerds. They're all nerds. Everyone's. They're all just librarians. Everyone's, every one of them. Everyone's bad at their job. No one understands what's going on. Everyone's got too much to do and not enough time. That is that is the plot of every game I run. Everyone's just making it up as they go along and hoping no one finds out. Anyway, don't worry about canon. You need to. Um, you can you can change whatever you want about the world. Uh, aside from, I guess, the fact that the high elves are in charge and you all play drow. You know. You can you can tweak the individual feel things and make it clear to your players that they're entitled to that as well. Like they are they are supposed to be establishing canon. They're supposed to be taking things. One of the uh, abilities for the knight is knight admiral, and so you get you get a fairly sizable reputation soak. So you're much harder to embarrass, and you you do better in general society. But also you get a boat. And the boat doesn't really have any in-game stats whatsoever. But when you buy that, you're saying, hello, GM, I would like boats to be a thing in the game. It's a bit like the carrion priest has the ability to talk to ghosts, but only if they buy it. And so quite a lot of and the And now game... we're having to work out how boats work in a mile-high tower. Precisely, right? Yeah. Um, there's uh, locks of some kind, like boat yeah, lifts. Yeah, waterways that go through big hydraulic pipes. A waterfall in reverse, like a water jump. <laughs> Who knows? Yep. Just and... a big catapult. Just an old-fashioned slingshot. <laughs> <laughs> just up. And like, and like, you can... It's, it's just, I have the group now of the, everyone just portaging this boat up and down <laughs> everywhere. And it actually has never touched water. It's absolutely crucial that the boat comes with us on every mission. And it's got a name. It's it's where you sleep. It's where you cook. Listen to the players. Let them make the world. Build your own version of Spire. Something we've done with Heart is that we've taken away really any idea of canon. There are a few things that are around, but there's no map in as much as you get a blank map and you fill it out yourself when you when you make the game. And we've got that explained in fiction and in mechanics as well, because the every game you run is like the book isn't the game. The play is the game. And so, well, and the game is about changing the city as well. It's a, yes. It is about making your own canon. One mm. of that's my favorite mechanic. Entering in is telling my players the only way you level up mm. or advance is changing your city and changing your community. Or Which changing makes for exciting games on both the smallest level with turning one NPC to your cause up to completely overthrowing the status quo yeah. and 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 all of the systems that are there. Uh, and everything in between. And so by playing the game, you have to create your own canon mm. or you uh, never advance. Th- you have to create your own canon, but also you are... 
you are encouraged to do so, like right from the start, rather than mm-hmm. like because it, it, we don't want the game to start canon and change from there, as it were, because it's supposed to be this malleable thing. The other thing I would suggest is rather than trying to plot out what your what your players are going to do, because uh, you can't like you can you can take a guess at it, but the spire moves quite quickly. It's quite swingy and it's deliberate. It really does. Part. Um, it's quite dramatic in that way, and like the stakes uh, in D anD D, if you get if you get hit. The, you, you lose a few hit points, but we have, but we have like oh cool your 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 legs broken, and it's much more visceral. It's much more concrete the uh, the fallout of of, of, take, of taking damage. Um, so you can't really predict what's going to happen. You can't really plan for that. So instead, come up with two organizations who are against the players, and then three places it would be cool to visit, and that's about it really. And like the players will smush their way there. You included near the back of the book in the mm. section on the ministry the rites of the initiation. Yeah, and I thought yeah. this was really this was really interesting for me. And I, uh, I I turned into a Google form, and after characters had been created and everyone went home, I went just fill this out. It's sort of like a little creative writing exercise, a little backstory to your character. There's no way to answer this wrong, mm. uh, but it also helped indicate to me kind of what they're interested in. Oh, mm-hmm. wow, you really want to explore religion mm-hmm. in Spire. Great. This, this is a, these are good indicators to me. And finding that, you're right, you can't write the adventure. All you can do is find a couple of hooks mm. to start and, and see if they even bite it <laughs> or if yeah. they want to go run off and befriend a gutterkin in an alleyway and create a Spire Black Network um, <laughs> instead. Yeah, it's it's uh, uh, I, I'm excited. I, I did see you tweet out yesterday about uh, GM language and describing and just talk like a normal person. Oh yeah, I went went moderately viral with that one. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, so I, I had a tweet which went out yesterday, which was um, you you shouldn't be ah oh, privy size and welcome to the most beneficent. You don't need to talk in a big fancy voice. And a lot of people have gotten quite upset that I'm going to come around and steal a thesaurus. The immersion. The immersion. It's like, all right, mate, sure. Like the, I think I was taken out of taking out of context, and, they, and like that, that's from a bit. And like at the top, it's like if you've never run a, if you've never run a game before, here are some ways to be. Here are some ways to be a games master. And in fact, two two points before that, it's like, hey, use all of your player's senses to describe the world. Um, change your stance when you voice an NPC. Really basic stuff on how to be an evocative uh, games uh, master. And we've got the bit there because I, I I thought that when I was playing role-playing games, it had to be like, uh, the, the mellifluous sound of beneficent liars creeps through the undulating passages. I thought you had to do that, and you don't. Yeah, so people got a bit cheesed off about that. <laughs> Grant, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, I understand Spire has had since you've got Strata and now Heart. That's uh, it, it, Heart was kickstarted in the fall. Is it still in development, or or is it is it all out now? Uh, it is currently in layout. At present. Oh, there you um, are. So it's 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 all been edited by our excellent editor Helen Gould. And it is currently being laid out by Jay Isles, who did Lancer and she wrote uh, Voidheart Symphony and uh, Symphony of Blood. Sounds cool. Anyway. Oh, very cool. So on, on our way, if we love the Spire and we mm-hmm. continue to explore through it and we find these other books that you've put out, what going forward can we look forward to in ah. Spire? Where does this go? Um, well, we've got, a, we've got a release coming up in the summer. 
Uh, it's all it's all it's all written. Thankfully, we just like we we uh, so we kickstarted Heart, which is a spin-off. It uses a similar system, but it's not the same. Um, you describe it as almost like a dungeon crawl. Yeah, it's a body horror dungeon crawl set underneath Spire, and so like the idea of Heart is that it makes itself new every time someone goes down there. And it's 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 slow and it isn't very good at it. And so you've got this weird dimension made out of. So it's like a, like a, like a roguelike dungeon crawling video game where it procedurally regenerates every time you play. It's more like, <laughs> no no not, actually, not, not like Enter the Gungeon. No, sorry, not like no. Enter the Gungeon. Although <laughs> I, I will say I have three hundred and twenty seven hours on record for Enter the Gungeon. I think it's my most played game. Um, I, oh, I, I'm shocked that the Church of the Hellionite is in this game, and <laughs> and you are also a fan of Enter the Gungeon. I can't, I can't right? imagine. It's more. It was uh, an accepting that when you, as a GM, when you when you describe a world to the players, what you're doing is you're creating a bespoke world for the player characters, uh, and we wanted to have uh, an entity in the in in the fiction of the world that was also doing that. Because it means you can get really blunt with your storytelling, and no one's like, uh, "Sorry, what?" Like, if if you want to have a room made out of a character's fears, all right, sure. There's a reason for it in game, which is quite nice. However, Hearts a spin-off. It's a completely standalone game. We hope it will be a bit more. Um, it'll ha- it'll it'll hit kind of a wider audience because it doesn't have the themes of revolution. It isn't urban. It's more traditional. It's an adventure game. It's an adventure game. It's pr- it's primarily a game about obsession in that. Like dungeon crawling is a terrible idea, and you shouldn't do it. So, in addition to your class, you have a calling, which is the reason why you've decided to go into hell and not and not immediately leave. So, it's a, it's a game about about furthering those those dark desires. Um, but for Spire, we're, we're we're releasing something called Mission Book One, and this is in response to oh, a bunch of people asking, like, what what's a good what's a good uh, one shot mission for Spire? We didn't have one, so now we have ten. They have been written by a wide variety of authors. We've got um, uh, Sharang Bezwaz is doing some stuff for us. Uh, Pam Plinzalan, um, woman called Pauline Chan, who did some stuff for Strata. It's absolutely brilliant. Bashir Gauss is doing some stuff. Uh, Jabari Weathers is writing something. We've got a load of a load of different authors. Some some people who've never written anything before. Some people who are established writers. Jason Petrie's in it as well. They've written like these uh, these scenarios. They're about one and a half thousand words long each. They're very tightly structured around like a core ideal. And the idea is that you sit down with your group and you have the mission briefing and you have all the things you can do. And it's a one shot. It's a one shot job for Spire. Um, uh, we've I play tested uh, so the, the, the scenario I wrote is set in the works. No, not the works. It's set in Red Row, and you go and uh, you have to uh, assassinate the uh, the criminal overlord, Mister Winters, and not make it look like an accident at, at his own birthday party. And where well, we played that twice, uh, we were at a convention in Florence, in Italy, and it went really, really well. The structure is really good, and it fits the uh, it, it fits the overall rule set of Spire. So that's coming out in summer, but we need to get heart out the door first, and then we can focus mm. on doing some doing the shorter book Spire. But we are keen on supporting uh, both both systems going forward. We are we're keen on developing more games within the same world as well. We've got, I think we've got the you, next. You have the resist toolkit as well yes where it's toolkit. just the rules of the game the mechanics if you wanted to create your own setting or use those mechanics to mm. um, work somewhere else right there's, there's a game coming up on kickstarter this saturday actually it's called ascendancy it's by a woman called ruby i don't know what's her name by a woman called ruby and it's the first kickstarter to use the resistance system which we, which we haven't done uh it's about um 
cyberpunk trans superheroes trying to escape the moon. I think it's something along those lines that you're trying to fight your way to a space elevator. Wicked. Uh, it's really cool. And it uses resistance, so that's really exciting. Uh, so, yeah, we've got the toolbox, uh, the, uh, the toolkit. And the reason we call it a toolkit and not an SRD is because, like, you, most of the most of the game inspire is in the characters, uh, is in those character abilities which feed back into the world. And by excising those, we realize there isn't really much of a game here at all. It's not like D&D where you can play the SRD. So we like it comes with a big caveat, like, hey, you're gonna have to write the game on you're gonna have to write your version of the game. Yeah, this taught is taught you just how to do it at but, this point. Yeah. yeah, this is like what what you're doing, you need to change the names and see what they tap off in your fiction. Uh but we've got that. If you're if you're interested in exploring more, you can you can download that for free on our website. And Strata, which was your second book, mm. uh, that's a more an expansion to Spire where Very Heart much is so, a standalone. Yeah, yeah so there's two classes. There's the uh, the shadow agent who uh, has their identity surgically removed and replaced with cover identities, and then there's pretty much my favourite class I've ever done, which is the inksmith. And you know, unknown armies, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, me and Chris both adore unknown armies. We think it's the uh, it's 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 probably my favourite game. You know, it's, yeah, it's, we it's, uh, it's I I wasn't wonderful. a part of it, but we did run it on the podcast a few mm. years ago. It's a, it's and, a gorgeous uh, idea, the mm. idea of postmodern magic. I remember reading that when I was I'd be about 21, 22 years old, and it just grabbed me. The idea of using police tape as a magic as part of a magic warding ritual. That, that you, just... you got a little bit of that in the very first inspire with the ministry, the the magic of putting mm. the black ink over your eyelids so you mm. can see in the dark. Yeah. Uh every everyone I've mentioned that to is like, oh, that's such a cool application of magic in a fantasy setting and so the inksmith uh, takes the ideas of uh, of social magic of magic which is talking about what the what the zeitgeist is doing and so they're about their their pulp fiction their, their pulp literature so it's kind of like 19 1920s 1930s america like hard-boiled pis and like very stark shadows and femme fatales and they they are wizards who use the rules of pulp fiction uh, so, like, uh, their their default spell is a man with a gun walked into the room, and you cast it, and a man with a gun walks into the room, and you don't get to say which like door or which man or which gun, but you can you can make like you you can start firing off these tropes, and again we explain it and explain it in the fiction. So I'm really proud of Inksmith in that respect. Um, the other ones are we've got uh, some expanded stuff for high society and low society. So for Amaranth, probably my favourite place in Spire because I like writing about high elves. I think they're weird. I think they're. I think they're. Like, I, I love getting. getting it's right like into an the entire society of Hannibal Lecters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or like or just this like, or or, or not quite or, as personable, <laughs> or, or or just like these sociopaths or these characters that just lack this empathy and, and an entire culture that is now built around this mm. like weird alien non emotion emotion. It's, it's Terry Pratchett's fate. Honestly, yeah. we just left them also. <laughs> um, and then we've got, I think we've got 10 scenarios in that as well. That's like 7,000 words, so they're more like campaign length um, by, again, different authors. So Chris and I have one where you have to uh, ally what you... Sorry, it's a, probably a sensible idea to ally with the elf here to destroy a, uh, a drow threat. Uh, we've got one where you have to run by Azalevia Nelson, where you, ha- where you are tasked with running a, a, a artisanal bakery to overthrow Spire. Uh, you've got... Um, one, do. one which is quite close to, oh, what's the name of that? Uh, it's not upstairs, downstairs. Uh, Downtown Abbey. Uh, in as much as you play the staff and you have to assassinate the lady of the house. 
Uh, oh my goodness, that's Hel- kind of Hel- playing Hel- like our masked character has a bit of a that 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 feel. Oh yeah, to yeah, it with, it's, with, it's, with it's a mask. Of- it's a mask campaign broadly. So um, you're playing all of the characters that that mast has a bond with. Mm-hmm. That they the when the mast characters created, they're asked to one of their bonds is like street level, and it's all the mm. servants of the house that mm. they used to work in. And this campaign is you're playing all those servants. Yeah, and it's it's set within this single house, and it's all very it's all very oppressive. There's loads of cool things in there. We've got um like I I, re- I recommend you take a look. If you go on the website. There's lots of like everything's listed on there. Um, but it's uh. Yeah, it's really good, and I think the the thing which is really which is really excited and inspired us the fact that we have a community around this now, and like we've done we've done what we can to build it, but there's been a tremendous uh, level of support and enthusiasm of people being like, yeah, okay, this is Spire. I'm writing this thing about Spire. I'm telling stories about Spire. I'm drawing. We've had Spire fan art. Um, I have to tell you, uh, having done the research for the game and the prep in advance, you know, when mm. I'm setting things up, I'll check out Reddit channels, I'll go to Discord channels, and I'll see what's available. And, you know, f- honestly, for some indie games, uh, mm. it can be difficult to find oh, sure. resources that people have made and like cheat sheets or mm. player reference guides or little Excel sheets. And yet, it's all there in Spire. I mm. found someone's made this great Excel sheet just to track the stress mm. in the game. Uh, an uh, does all the math. To track the stress. It, 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 it's so great. And and there's uh, uh, all these little, all these conversations and debates over the rules and the interpretation. I think because the game is so open-ended, it mm. leads into that kind of dis- like academic discussion yeah. of the game that people really enjoy uh- there, you're no one's wrong. It's just a matter of opinion, and it's, it's, I just, think it it's helps. A, such an interesting discourse. It helps when the when the authors show up and they're like, "No, we have no authorial intent. Do what you want." <laughs> it's, uh, that, most of the comments I've seen you in in your Discord channel is just like, "I, I, I didn't know. I don't know." <laughs> Uh, sure. We talked a little bit about it there. If you want. But we just <laughs> um, and, and, and like we're keen to do, I'm keen to destabilize the idea that like oh there is this spire in my head which is the true one and everyone else is getting watered down. Fuck that. Now like Chris and I have different spires. <laughs> it's such a meta commentary on the game of mm. also breaking against the authority of the game yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and overthrowing the systems that the creators have put in place. Please, um, yeah. It it becomes almost like this. Uh, yeah, it's just it, it, <laughs> it, art imitating life now. Mm. Um, Grant, thank you so much for the time you spent with me, uh, and uh, I'm I'm so looking forward to playing this game. Looking forward to when that, we yeah. uh, when when we've played through it, and we're on the other side, uh, <laughs> looking back at what we've wrought. Uh, <laughs> would you come back and uh, we can? Uh, Break down, have a little therapy yeah, session. Yeah, sure. That sounds good. I'll, 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 I'll see if I can, if, uh, if, if I can help you work through some of the uh, legs you've lost. Yeah, yeah, it'd be wonderful. Or some of the legs I gained, depending. Oh. <laughs> <what> <laughs> depending happened. on your advances, yeah. Exactly. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Grant. Where can we find you if we wanted to follow up and, and learn more about what you and what RRD is doing? I mean, you've got a lot. You got other games out there as well. Um, yeah. And check out Grant's one, one page RPGs. One one new game a month for RPGs. We got we we got one coming. Next one's coming out on Monday the nineteenth. 17th, Monday the 17th, uh, is System Shutdown, a game where you play cyberpunk badasses who ran out of money and now their arms don't work. Um, I love that cyberpunk is the thing right now again. It's, <laughs> I, it's such a... I, look, man, I, I absolutely adore Neuromancer. I think it's a gorgeous book and 
I'm happy to just sort of play around in the space. If people are interested in finding more about me, you can go to G-S-H-O-W-Y-T-T on Twitter or honestly anywhere. That's generally my username in most places. Um, you can go to... You are astonishingly easy to find online. I've, I've made it quite, quite a deliberate decision. <laughs> I've not, I've not, like, it's the thing, Chris can't track him down for love nor money. He's, like, he's not even the most famous game designer named Chris Taylor. <laughs> there are three or four more, like, more, more prolific designers than him. So, like, he's, you know, he's, he's, I, I'm very easy to find online. You can track me down. And if you want to download any of our games or learn more about what we're doing, you can go to rowanrookanddeckard.com or rrdgames.com um, and find us there and get, get some stuff. Buy some things. Give me some money. Grant, thank you so much. Have a really wonderful day. I will do. Thank you very much. Bye. The Terrible Warriors will begin playing the Spire in one week's time. And thanks again to Grant Howitt for giving us so much of his time to talk about this game. We can't wait to talk to you on the other side of our experience with the Spire. Be sure to follow Grant online. Check the show notes where you can find links to his Patreon page and social media accounts. And he's always got something coming out. So he's definitely someone you're going to want to follow up on. Speaking of following up... Follow us on Twitter at Dice Warriors and on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash terriblewarriors. Not only will you be getting all the usual perks, but starting with this campaign, every Friday you'll get early access to the episode that will be released on the following Tuesday. That's kind of cool. And if you'd like to be involved in the creation of our Spire campaign and our narrative every month... Patreon supporters of the Tip Club tier are invited to join us for a private game that I personally host. And along with you getting to join in and play a game of Spire, we'll also populate our room with other members from the podcast who will be coming in to join us. So it's a chance for you to actually play along with the podcast and be a part of the formulation of some of those storylines that we're thinking of introducing into the main show. And supporting us on Patreon isn't in the cards. I understand. You can't spend your money everywhere. Even leaving a five-star review or leaving a comment in the podcast app that you're listening to the show on, all of that just helps to, to help expose the show to other eyeballs and spread the word around that you can be a terrible warrior too. So, next week, we begin our run-through of The Spire. Things are going to be a little bit different than you're used to here on Terrible Warriors. Rather than a new game every month, we're going to take our time with Spire. We're still going to do one-shot stories with players leaving and new groups coming to the table. The difference this time around is they will continue to play in the Spire. See, it's handy. They're all members of the Resistance, so there are going to be different cells all scattered around the Tower City of the Drow. So each week, we'll settle in with different players and check in on what they're up to, their investigations, their challenges, their adventures. And on our first episode, you'll get to meet our priestly Lijan, Dega, who's partnered up with the curious and hyperactive Vermissian sage, Nerus. And together, they're going to have to decide how far are they willing to go to help those in need. Solutions are never simple in the Spire, and sometimes, even the simple beginnings can lead to complicated outcomes. We'll see you in one week's time for the beginning of our Spire campaign, right here on The Terrible Warriors. <laughs>